You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Media and, of course, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. I am so excited that you are all here today. Uh, I mean, I'm excited every week when uh, we all get to sit down and, and chat here on the Press Zone, but I'm extra excited this week because this is episode 300 of the Press Zone podcast. Wow. We even get the sound sound effects and the cheering uh, this week. And uh, I have to say a big thank you to Rick Stevens for that because it's a special week this week with the 300th episode. And that means Mr. Rick Stevens is here for the entire show uh, today. Rick, how are you doing? Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. And the fun doesn't stop there. Yes, Patrick Williams is here, not just for the AHL Hot Stove. He is here for the entire show today as well. Patrick, welcome back. Thanks. Thank you. Um, Heralded yes, in. The angels are back too. The angels are also back. Angels are also back. <laughs> They've uh, decided to make your appearance for number three hundred. Hey, it's we've we've been blessed. Apparently, this <laughs> this episode has been duly blessed. Uh, so I am very excited that the uh, the gang is all here. We're gonna have a great show for you today. Uh, of course, I'm gonna kick things off here in this first segment with just a. A really quick rundown of what the Laval Rocket did uh, in their three games played last week uh, and some news related to that. And then uh, Rick and Patrick are going to also join uh, later in the first segment to to just kind of for the three of us to really kind of discuss and take a look at where Laval is sitting right now in the standings. Uh, what last week's performances have done in terms of that fight that they're still in for a playoff spot and and what the week ahead is going to look like. Uh, and then after we take a quick break to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings, uh, on the other side of that in segment two, Patrick Patrick and Rick will be back with me again in the studio for uh, this week's uh, edition of the AHL Hot Stove. And we're going to talk about a couple more teams who have qualified for the postseason in the American Hockey League, uh, shine a spotlight on where some of the big battles for for a playoff spot are, are taking place, uh, both in the North Division and across the league. Uh, we're going to introduce you to this week's player of the week. And then, yes, we are going to take a moment and uh, just uh, talk to all of you about how we're feeling about reaching the 300 episode milestone uh, here at the Press Zone. Of course, we can't 
have done any of that without all of you. So we're looking forward to to chatting with you a little bit about that later in the show. It's going to be a lot of fun today. So uh, let's not waste a moment. Um, I'm quickly just uh, kind of bring everyone up to speed on what happened with Laval last week. They played their last two games of their homestand on Wednesday and Friday and then headed out to kick out to kick off their road trip uh, with a Sunday afternoon game. Starting on Wednesday night, uh, they were at home versus the Bridgepoint, Bridgeport Islanders. Uh, this was Anthony Richard's first game back from Montreal uh, and also Emil Heinemann's AHL de- debut that night. So while they did manage to get some firepower uh, in the forward core for that night, JFL's team did come out on the wrong side of this one with a 5-3 to three loss. Uh, that meant Bridgeport swept the season series, uh, didn't see... Laval all that often, but when they did, uh, Bridgeport were the ones to come out on top. I think Chris Terry had something to do with that, most likely, in both games. Uh, and then on Friday night, another uh, opponent that Laval does not see very often, that's the Milwaukee Admirals. In fact, I don't believe that they had played against Milwaukee for a number of years. Uh, and uh, this was another not fun night for JFL's crew, a 3-2 to two loss in this one. Uh, happened to also be Jaden Struble's uh, pro debut. He was inserted into the lineup as the seventh defenseman on that night, but uh, unfortunately Laval could not come out with the win there. So uh, uh, uncharacteristically of them, Laval uh, did not have a very successful homestand, and it's really the first time this season that they've really struggled on home ice. Uh, so they turn around and head out to Manitoba for kind of a Western Western and Central road swing this week, playing against the Moose on when, on Sunday afternoon. Um, Primo, even though Kevin Poulan was healthy again, finally, from his injury, uh, Primo has had an excellent career record against Manitoba, so he got the start on Sunday afternoon. And Manitoba just looked like they didn't seem ready to play at all. And Laval, fortunately for them, seeing as they went into that game in last place in the North Division, they did manage to eke out a 4-1 to win over the Manitoba Moose on Sunday. And so that brings them uh, into sixth place. That still means that they are on the outside of the postseason looking in. They are tied with Belleville with 62 points. Belleville in currently in seventh place. And so both Laval and Belleville tied with 62 points, Cleveland occupying that final playoff position and fifth place just one point ahead of them with 63 points, although Cleveland does have two games in hand on Laval and Belleville. So Rick and Patrick, that kind of brings us to the here and now. Um, They play another game in Manitoba tonight. Um, Caden Primo was recalled to Montreal Late in the day yesterday, flew right to Philadelphia, and he is slated to start for the Habs in Philadelphia against the Flyers tonight. So that means uh, Philippe de Rosier was recalled from the Trois Rivières Lions. He will back up Kevin Poulin, uh to for for Laval to play uh, tonight in Manitoba, and this is ahead of them going then to Rockford and Milwaukee for a couple more road games towards the end of this week. Um, Patrick, I'll start with you. That kind of schedule, uh, you know, was was the loss against Manitoba a one-off for the Moose? Uh, what can what can Laval expect to face tonight, and and what kind of challenge can they be expecting to face this weekend going into Rockford and Milwaukee? Well, I would I would expect a very different Manitoba team. Um, 
this year, or tonight. I don't, I don't think you'll see, you'll see that performance. Um, again, I, you know, you have to go all the way back uh, more than two months to really, you know, see any sort of sustained losing streak for them. Um, they had, you know, kind of a blip earlier this month against Iowa, but uh, they're a pretty steady, consistent team. They're not, you know, in terms of, you know, there's not a lot of high end, uh, you know, real, I guess, scoring talent on the team. It's mm-hmm. a team that works hard. And so when that effort's not there, it's very noticeable, right? Like they're not going to win games just on talent. And so I think I, I would expect a much different, um, team you know like they were coming off a two-game series kind of an emotional series um against rockford they were they also won six two um so they were probably feeling pretty good about themselves and then you have you know a non-conference non-conference opponent show up um on a sunday afternoon and you know it was a flat performance maybe a little bit of a trap game for them and Mm -hmm. they fell right into that trap uh, so I would expect a much different team. And then as far as later in the week, Rockford is, is still an interesting team, right? Like they went through a heavy makeover going into the trade deadline, um, turned over, well, I believe it was seven players on their roster. Um, brought in Rocco Grimaldi, Grimaldi, one of the top scorers in the league. Mm-hmm. They've been kind of up and down um, really in terms of, you know, being able to really put together a run. Like they are, they're, pretty solid for the playoffs, but, um, you know, I haven't quite seen from them what I was expecting to see, you know, uh, such a, it was such a big show of support by the Chicago Blackhawks, um, putting that, uh, you know, really putting a good team together, um, you know, for a playoff run and they've sort of been up and down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then you face Milwaukee when, you know, you, pretty familiar with them from having just faced them last weekend. Um, they're a team now with six of their top eight scorers in Nashville or elsewhere. Um, and yet they keep finding a way, you know, to, to put points here. They have a five game winning streak right now. They just went perfect on their road trip, you know, through the North division. So um, this is not going to be an easy week, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's a good thing for the Rocket that they got that win on Sunday because, you know, your next three coming up are they're tough, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you come home, right? You know, and you have Cleveland staring, <laughs> staring, at staring right at you, fighting, um, fighting for that spot. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it's I, I look at the Rockets um, situation right now. It's almost like you see the guy hanging off the cliff right and his fingertips are <laughs> just barely on there and, and you have you have people tap dancing right on his fingers and, yeah um, just sort of like you know one slip up and uh, it's gonna be over the cliff uh for the rockets so um yeah it's uh you better get at least i would say you at least need to get one if not two wins this week um well, Rick, then, that that then brings us to the the second aspect of of this, and that is um, with how vital if if Lavelle is serious about trying to push into the, to a playoff position, 
um, how vital tonight's game is or or any of the games this week. Uh, Caden Primo suddenly getting recalled to Montreal and and not even, you know, Buffalo would have been a shorter flight from Winnipeg than than Philly, but they didn't have him stop in Buffalo. They flew him straight to Philadelphia and said, get ready because we already know that you're starting against the Flyers uh, on Tuesday night. So what's your take on on this recall? And and do we expect that, you know, it'll be a long recall or is it a, a, a one and done? Um, there's a lot of kind of things up in the air about it. I guess I'll just say it's curious, and, and the timing is curious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to put it into context, uh, the Laval is is just one point back of Cleveland, but Cleveland has two games in hand, so um, that makes it tough. The, the Laval Rocket have eight games left, and every single game is is crucial to them. Um, so uh, then Primo, who has been their goalie, I, I mean. Uh, um, Poulin has been out for about a month um, with an injury. Um, Primo has had very little rest during that time. Mm-hmm. They've been riding him. Um, but to take him uh, away from such a crucial game uh, in Manitoba uh, for a look uh, against Philadelphia is, and, and I'll say it again, curious. Yeah. Um, it looks like it's just one uh, game um, that he'll be away for, from the team. But an important game and and it comes at a time when the Montreal Canadiens have been doing everything in their power to help Laval make the playoffs because they're in uh, this um, you know as as Patrick said this this hanging by their their fingernails situation Uh, they uh, Kent Hughes made that trade at the trade deadline bringing in Frederick Allard Um, he's added uh, both Jaden Struble and and Emil Heineman um, at the end of the season, Anthony mm-hmm. Richard is back from Montreal. Um, all of these things to help the team, help Lavelle make the playoffs. And then to pull uh, Primo away from that, um, to rely on Kevin Poulin. Kevin Poulin's last start was February 24th uh, against Rochester. Um, he gave up four goals on 17 shots in that game. Um, so this is a, this is a big gamble, I would, I would say. Um, and so what's the, what's an alternative explanation? Well, you know, the, the folks out there who, who like to speculate are, um, you know, are, are taking and running with this kind of information. We, we've heard, we've all heard that, um, uh, Carter Hart is not, uh, necessarily a lock to stay with the Philadelphia Flyers, that he could be available. Uh, Caden Primo is from the Philly area. Um, and, um, you know, it would be, is there an opportunity where, um, this is a, a double showcase showcasing both goaltenders, uh, to, to the opposition. Um, it's, it's, it's juicy, too juicy to ignore, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's unlikely. It's usually a mundane kind of innocent explanation. Um, but in this case, uh, bringing him up for one game for a NHL look, um, at the end of the season, the timing is just very, very odd, I think. Oh, boy. So that just leaves lots of questions yet to be answered. Um, and that leaves, um, Patrick, as as Rick mentioned, you know, Poulin hasn't played for, for over a month. Um, now, we know that Poulin 
in Caden Primo's absence last year was the one who kind of backstopped them uh, to the playoffs because Primo was up with the Habs for for the last you know six weeks or so of the regular season last year. Um, and so we know that that Kevin Poulan has the capability of of you know having that kind of calm veteran presence in the net for them. Uh, but as Rick astutely mentioned, he hasn't played since February 24th. Um, and that was when he came in in relief uh, for Caden Primo uh, in a in a game. Um, so how much does that change the dynamic of what Laval is is facing tonight against Manitoba? No pressure, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Plan, right? Like, it's only, um, you know, it's only, you know, I mean, every game now you're pretty much going, going to be playing for your season. And, you know, like you said, he hasn't played in a month. And um, really even before that, right? Like, I mean, he's didn't play till you know, before that was January. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's – it's been the Keenan Primo show really for the better part now of, of two plus two months. months. Yeah. Um, and now you're, now you're pulling the plug on that and saying, okay, jump in there, Polan, and, you know, show us what you've got now. Like, you know, for Polan, obviously it's a, it's a good opportunity, but that is, that is asking a lot, I think. Right. Like, mm-hmm. especially knowing, I think it's fair to say that you'll get a much different Manitoba team tonight. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I I struggle <laughs> to sort of understand where they're going with this, what the thinking is, but uh, maybe they have a plan that you know, we're not aware of. Yeah, we will see how it all plays out. I do want to mention, um, just to put the focus on the young guys for just a moment, uh, Emil Heineman has had a, uh, despite the couple of losses last week, Emil Heineman has had a, a good start to his first week in the AHL with Laval. Uh, he's already got uh, two goals uh, in the past week. In fact, he he scored a goal in his debut. Uh, so watching the the prospects like Heineman, like Jaden Struble, Jaden Struble was playing on a second uh, pairing with Cord Schooneman on on Sunday, which was much a much better placement and place for him to to be seen. So um, looking forward to seeing how how the new faces who have joined Laval um, will will also benefit uh with these last eight games and maybe more if they're able to get things together all right we are going to take a quick break we're going to hear a message from our sponsors over at DraftKings. when we come back on the other side rick and patrick will still be here and we will dive into the rest of the ahl hot stove so don't go anywhere you don't want to miss it you are listening to the press zone podcast right here on rocket sports radio the biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odd boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
Welcome back to the Press Home Podcast right here on the AHL Report. Once again, part of Rocket Sports Media and a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. And once again, I'm your host of the show, Amy Johnson, uh, also the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, ahlreport.com. You can find me on Twitter at Flyers Rule. Uh, and uh, be sure you are also following this podcast at The Press Zone and at the AHL Report on Twitter. You don't ever want to miss a minute of our live in-game updates for the Laval Rocket as they are playing their games. You can follow along while you're watching a Habs game. Uh, And be sure, of course, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe to this podcast. It's our 300th episode, and whether you've been here since episode one or this is the first time you're joining us, it's never too late to subscribe to the show, so just tap that subscribe button Um, And also, the best way you can help us to celebrate this episode and continue to grow our audience is if you share this podcast. Uh, So just tap that share button and share this podcast episode on your favorite social media platform. We would be so appreciative of that. All right, Rick and Patrick are still with me here in the studio. We're going to dive into the AHL hot stove. Um, first and foremost, uh, the the number of teams, while we're talking about how Laval is still jostling and and battling to get into the playoffs there are teams that still keep clinching a playoff berth and Patrick there were uh four teams who've done that in the past week we've seen Hershey Providence Colorado and Abbotsford now also punch their ticket to the postseason uh where are we we know that there is a battle as we talked about in the north division really the battle is is who's going to take that last uh spot that fifth place spot but uh in the other divisions in the league where are the real big key battles happening um in terms of of positioning or even qualifying for the playoffs yeah so the the atlanta division's fairly similar i guess you you'd say um to the north um you kind of have that you know so in that division six teams make it (laughs) so right um, okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yes um we've been over the playoff system <laughs> we um, so if you looked at that like charlotte springfield lehigh um are, are, are fairly fairly secure at the moment so you're kind of down now to a battle for that sixth spot between bridgeport and hartford um they're both teams that have been up and down themselves um hartford a lot like rockford went through a big uh trade deadline um, it's called a renovation um, and they're still finding their way a little bit um, but they did win two out of three this weekend so that's kind of the main race there right now Hershey Providence will jockey for position but uh, you know um, for the most part that playoff field other than the number six spot is, is more or less wrapped up so we know all about the North Division um, and then you go to the Central Division where nobody's actually qualified yet. That's so uh, bizarre. Division where you can say that, um, you know, in that division now, um, it's, again, it's the top five. So it's uh, probably the closest thing to the North Division in that sense. Um, it's also it's also a, a playoff format where um, only the four and five teams have to go through that uh, best of three playing around. Okay. So that's good, like, for them, if you can avoid that. I just spoke with Carl Taylor um, earlier today, and he's like, I want no part of that um, best <laughs> Like, 
<laughs> I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole because that is just bad news. You know, like, you know, and first he, of all, it's he is the head coach for the Milwaukee admirals. Okay. So, um, so I don't think he has too much to worry about there right now, like given where they are, but you know, how coaches are, they kind of worry anyway. And, um, and so, yeah, you have a situation there where, um, you know, for the most part now that, that division it's interesting. Nobody's clinched and yet the top five spots are pretty much spoken for. Um, hmm. So it's sort of all over, all but over in that division. Um, it's just that, um, you know, with Chicago and Grand Rapids kind of sort of hanging around, um, you know, you're, you're just sort of waiting now. You're biding your time. Now the final division is the Pacific division, which is that 10 team division. Top seven make it. Um, the interesting thing about that division is um, teams two through seven all will have to play that best of three playing round. So That's just like, so weird. <laughs> so potentially now you have you could have a team that finishes second overall in the league, um, like Coachella by, Valley. Yes, by by point percentage, as at the moment would be Coachella Valley, have to play a best of three. And potentially, who knows, right? Like, yeah, we all know how bounce. how those can go. Yeah, right. One bad bounce or one call up or one uh, one player gets sent down to your opponent. Um, you know, a referee's call. You know, whatever. Bad ice. You know, pick 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 your pick your reason. So um, that's a whole nother dynamic out there in, in, in the Pacific Division. So um, that's where you know there's a real real benefit there uh, for Calgary and Coachella to finish number one um, because number one, you know, for one thing uh, you don't have to play the best of three. Number two, you get some uh, rest and some time off. Number three, if you're getting players back from your NHL team, which Calgary may be getting, uh, you have a little bit of time to kind of reintegrate them into the, into the lineup. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of incentive there in that regard. So, um, Rick, we all, Rick, we all sell. Let me just interrupt you there for a second. Rick, we all celebrated so much this season that we were all getting to us. Every team was playing 72 games <laughs> and, yeah. and now, but now it feels like Fair. we're back to points percentage again, even though we're not, but it just feels that confusing again. A little bit. You can't escape point percentage. <laughs> 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 well, remember we did this format last year with the uneven schedule. Which I don't, you know, looking back, I don't know how we made uh, it. Yeah, sense. well, that's, yeah. I um, threw my notes out. <laughs> I lost several IQ points going through that. <laughs> going through that exercise that I will never get back. Oh. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, it was a, uh, yeah. so, so right now, basically, that seventh spot in the Pacific is, um, kind of a toss up right now between Tucson and San Jose, maybe Bakersfield to some extent. Now, like you have Ontario, it's interesting. Like they had a 10 game win winless streak and yet they're still pretty secure. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> so that's a classic AHL situation. They went, uh, what was it? Oh, eight, two and oh, and now they won three in a row. And so it goes to show you how this league really has those big swings. Yeah. Um, you know, and it can be for any variety of reasons. Uh, one of which can be, you know, 
either losing players or gaining players from your NHL club. So um, that's why the playoff races, you know, people try to apply an NHL lens to it and it, it it's not the same for two reasons. One of which one is such a heavy divisional schedule. Um, you get those head to head matchups all the time. And then number two is just, you know, that player movement. Uh, if you're really, you know, you take a, a top goalie or, you know, top forward or several top forwards, um, or, you know, top, you know, deep pairing off a roster and it's going to make a huge difference. So, um, or you add it, you know, likewise. So, um, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of volatility, um, in this league in terms of standings and races. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, that, that looks, it's a league of streets, I always say. And, uh, I think that that's never more apparent than this time of the year when you see these teams go through those, those, those highs and lows. Absolutely. Um, one of the teams that you didn't mention for good reason, sorry, Henderson, <laughs> is the Silver Knights, uh, who have had a pretty, uh, there's just no pretty way to say it. They've had a pretty terrible season. They and the San Diego Gulls, uh, two of the worst teams in the league this season. I think San Diego, I think, has 18 wins on the season and Henderson Whoa. has 19 or something like that. I mean, it's it's pretty dire. Um, but there's a, always a bright spot. This week, uh, the AHL Player of the Week happens to be one of Henderson's players. Um, his name is Gage Quinney. Uh, he's a forward for the Henderson Silver Knights. Um, and, well, of course, according to, to this, the Silver Knights are continuing to battle for a playoff spot in the Pacific Division. But uh, in two games played last week, uh, this young man had two goals and four assists uh, for six points in two games. Um, and while that may just sound kind of run of the mill to everyone else, it's one of those things where we, we like to remind people that even, even the tiny things at the American league level can be a big deal, particularly for players like Gage Quinney, who this is his seventh year pro. Um, you know, he's, he's, he was a free agent with Vegas. Undrafted. Yep. Undrafted guy. Um, He's played three games with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so he's had, back in the 2019-20 uh, season, you know, and it's a name that the people in the NHL may never hear again. We don't know. But there's still time and room to celebrate when um, players who are not household names at, at even the AHL level, um, particularly playing for a team that hasn't had a lot to celebrate this year, uh, managed to to do something special in a in a short period of time. So uh, we would have been remiss to not mention that Gage Quinney uh, is the AHL Player of the Week. If I can just say, and 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 it really fits into the theme of today's show that it, it just so happens that Gage Quinney is um, the Player of the Week, and uh, maybe an unheralded player, as you said, he's he's um, he's had three games in the NHL. He's um, had almost 300 games in the AHL, uh, but not necessarily a household word, a uh, name. And um, last night on the, one of the broadcasts, they were talking about famous um, family names in, in the NHL. And, and they talked about the Sutters, and they talked about the Espositos, and the Kachuks, and the Richards. Um, 
Quinny sh- could be added to that list. Um, you know that I I love the where are they now? The where are and, they now? And the people <laughs> and the connect because hockey players and athletes are people and they have families. Um, and Gage Quinney's dad is named Ken Quinney, and Ken Quinney, um, he had a a career as well. Um, 453 games in the AHL. Um, he had 59 games in the NHL and 376 games in the IHL. And if you look through his, his resume, um, in the WHL, he was with the Calgary Wranglers. And now with it, just this year, we have uh, a Calgary Wranglers team in the AHL. Um, he played for the Quebec Nordique. Uh, of the NHL, uh, he was actually drafted by the by the Nordique in the tenth round, the two hundred third pick in nineteen eighty four. Um, played for the Halifax Citadels in the AHL. Uh, played for Adirondack, yeah, the Red Wings of the AHL. He played for the Las Vegas Thunder of the IHL, and now his son uh, got to play for their uh, NHL team. It's it's. Uh, and then he went on to play for Frankfurt. But um, amazing connections, amazing resume. Um, and, and uh, you know, these kind of wonderful stories about families, about people, about connections um, are the, the reasons that I get excited about covering the AHL. Uh, very well said. And you're right. It does fit in quite appropriately with this week. Uh, with with this week's show. And, and, and Patrick, it's it's really great for Henderson uh, to to have something positive to take out of uh, what's been a really challenging season, I think, for that team overall. Yeah, they've they got off to a really rough start. They had a really tough schedule like early on, and never kind of really got their footing back. And uh, you know, I think to their credit, they they were able to kind of take it into mid mid March or so, and then they they got caught up in the situation with the parent team, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, goaltending wise, right. When like Logan Thompson went out, um, Swat went out, Michael Hodgson was traded and Aiden Hill got injured. And so all of a sudden, um, Henderson was down to a pair of ECHL goalies, uh, being called up. And so, um, you know, I think to those two young prospects credit, they, uh, they put in a good effort, but, uh, I think that was, you know, Henderson got to within about six points of a, of the playoff line before they kind of uh, really kind of went under uh, for good. But, uh, you know, they, they, they made a good show of it, I think, all things considered. They've had a lot of calls, a lot of injuries this year. They were able, never able to really find their identity or find their footing. So, uh, you know, sort of a tough season um, – for the team overall. So having a guy like Quinny, at least, you know, it's, it's something right. Like it's a positive, mm-hmm. positive uh, bit of energy uh, for that club. You know, uh, otherwise pretty difficult time is a good thing. And stick tap to Rick Stevens for on the 300th episode, finding a way to get a, where are they now <laughs> segment into the show? Because uh, <laughs> Where Are They Now was one of our most popular segments on the show. Um, I think, I don't know who had more fun with that segment, Rick researching them or our listeners oh, hearing I them. I had the most fun. You had the most, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it is. It's the 300th episode of of the Press Zone, uh, a podcast that that Rick and I started six seasons ago. It was originally called From the Press Box. For those of you who remember those days, or if you are a newer listener, you might not know that this show used to be called From the Press Box uh, because. Here at Rocket Sports Media, AHL Report, uh, we have a, a wonderful group of credentialed journalists um, who cover the AHL and, and prospects. And so these are kind of conversations that you either have in a press box or from people that you speak with in the press box. Um, and we've really, six seasons ago, you know, we said there needs to be, you know, we've we've got the flagship podcast for Rocket Sports um, at the time it was Habs 360, it has transitioned to Canadians Connection now. Um, and that focuses on the Montreal Canadiens on the NHL side and, and occasionally gives some some prospect updates and, and so on and so forth. But there really needs to be a podcast dedicated to telling the stories coming out of the AHL because the AHL is where so much of the grind and the sacrifice comes, not just for the athletes, but for their families as well. And that's really been the 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 foundation of this show for six years um bringing people the stories of the guys who who give it their all whose families sacrifice so much for them to try to realize their dream of playing in the nhl and so many of them never actually do realize that dream uh, there are so many of them who end up hanging up the skates never having the opportunity to even have played one game in the national hockey league but they never give up along the way um, and that's why, as Rick said, the 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 Gage Quinney tie-in this week was a perfect example of a, of a player of the week this week. It's it's about so much more than just the statistics. Um, you know, the the AHL is a development league. It's about shaping tomorrow's future stars and and the support systems that are around those guys at a young age. Um, and so, before I before I pull Rick and Patrick in a little bit to just to talk about the significance of getting to 300 episodes and how how exciting that is and and what a great thing it is that we've got Patrick as part of the show now this is his second season as a regular part of the show and contributor here at Rocket Sports um our good friend and and very longtime loyal listener both here at the press zone and over uh at Canadians Connection Dino uh sent an email in this week that to me while this is regarding a player who is most renowned for his NHL play and is still playing in the NHL right now. It really kind of harkens to the heart of what we do here. And it's about how there is so much more that matters than just what happens on the ice. And I just want to share this story because I think it's pretty neat. Um, he shared this with me partially because he knows that growing up, uh, you know, as I have at, and living in, in Eastern Pennsylvania, I've been a Flyers fan since I was young. And so he said, here's the scoop. My colleague and co-worker is a huge Flyers fan. Some friends drove down from the Kitchener-Waterloo area. And and I should say Dino is based in the Ottawa area. So he's got a, a colleague who's a huge Flyers fan. He says, some friends drove down from the Kitchener-Waterloo area last Saturday. They are huge Leaf fans, but they can't afford the ticket prices in Toronto. And they were able to get tickets here in Ottawa for last Saturday's Ottawa-Leafs matchup. Leafs versus sends so his friend wasn't able to attend but her husband came with the whole contingent from kitchener waterloo and she's got a huge collection of flyers jerseys from over the years and asks her husband which one are you going to wear to the game he says 
What? A Flyers jersey to a Sens versus Leaf matchup? She says, yes, here, take my Claude Giroux jersey. He says, okay, dear. As, as any good, as, as a good husband. Okay, dear. So while at the Canadian Tire Center, they're at the concession stands and the husband feels a gentle tap on his shoulder. He looks back and he sees a gentleman and his wife. And the fellow says in a kind and curious kind of way, that jersey, does it belong here? And the husband explains, well, it's my wife's. She's a huge Flyers fan. And since Claude now is with the Sens, I chose to wear it and honor him. And the gentleman replies, how nice. Claude is our son. We are his parents. Wow. Um, and okay, that's a story about someone who plays for the Ottawa Senators, who was the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers for a long time. And, and this is an AHL podcast, but... What really struck me about that was how even someone, once they reach the status of a Claude Giroux, mom and dad are still mom and dad. And and families are proud of their kids no matter what their accomplishments are. And, and in this case, Claude Giroux's parents just happened to see one of his Philadelphia Flyers jerseys in, a con- in line at a concession stand. At an at a Sens Leafs game, and couldn't help but go over and talk to this person to say, "What are you wearing that for?" And and not like in a in a you know, for them to say, "Oh, isn't that kind of out of place here?" And well, and they wanted to hear the story of why this person was wearing it, and obviously we're we're very proud to see that, and and that really just it drives at the heart of what we do here uh, in making sure that. People understand the stories beyond the ice, really, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, it's a, it's a great story. Dino's a, a great fan, and, and thanks <laughs> for sending Thank that you, in. But, but it is Dino. it is about people. It is, you know, again, these, these athletes are people, um, and they have families, and they have feelings, and they have emotions. And just to pick up on something you said, when, when you said they may not even play one NHL game, that triggered... Um, a memory for me, um, and it was it's of Eric Nielsen and and oh, Eric, yes. Eric Nielsen. Um, he played in the queue uh, for Ramuski and and um, he played uh, about three hundred um, AHL games, a, a bit in the ECHL as well. Never got to play in the NHL, and I remember when it was my first time to the PPL Center back around say the 2015 season um, came into the PPL center and, and um, looking for um, the St. John's ice caps dressing room and, and didn't really know exactly where I was going. And there was this big bear of a man, scruffy as anything, <laughs> this big bear of a man. And it was Eric Nielsen. And, and he said, well, you know, what are you doing here? And I had told him and he said, you're coming with me. And, um, and, and, took us down to to see the uh the coach so then lafave and, and but got to know eric and and he was only with the ice caps for a handful of games um but re- remembered the conversations that that um i had with him and as i've said to people there's so much there is so much that um doesn't go on the twitter on the facebook into articles there's so much once you get trust with uh, a group of players or 
or coaches or um, assistant GMs or uh, there's just so much that it's just nice to talk to people and talk about real situations. And it was Eric Nielsen who said, you know, I would do anything. I, I literally would do anything to play just one game, just one game mm-hmm. um, and have that CH on my chest. Um, and he never got that and chance. Did, no. And um, I remember <laughs> I remember sitting with um, a member of the Canadian staff and his name came up and, and we talked openly about it because it's something that, you know, we, we just, we, we kept to ourselves. And, and he said... You know, it breaks my heart. Uh, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to give Eric an opportunity. He's earned it. Um, what he gives to our, our young players, the, um, the mentorship, the guidance, the leadership that he brings. Um, but this is still a meritocracy. That He's still got to earn it. He said, um, have you seen him walk? He can barely walk. And it was true. <laughs> um, uh, Eric Nielsen could could skate better than he could walk. He was so banged up mm-hmm. and and injured after after so many games in the Q and the and the AHL. And he knew in his heart he would never make it to the NHL, but he kept trying. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept giving it all, and he kept being a leader for he for the rest of the the players who he knew looked up to him. Well, and. That's a great example. Uh, it really is. It's a great example of of the struggle that goes on for these guys, particularly at this level, um, that I think a lot of young NHL players take for granted uh, while they're playing in the National Hockey League. Um, but it's another reason why we we wanted to work with someone like Patrick, um, and and because Patrick, you understand probably better than anyone anyone in media who covers the American Hockey League the struggles and the personal stories that go on behind the scenes and, and the importance of making sure that there's a, a, a shining spotlight to put on, on anyone who is playing at this level. Well, you know, I always say like, you know, NHL players don't just show up one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, and there's a, you know, and the other part of that is the NHL draft, obviously such a big deal and rightfully so, but, you know, I think a lot of people forget that there's that old stage from the time you take a player at 18 or 19 till maybe 22, 23 years old of mm-hmm. work that happens. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not always glamorous work. In fact, most times it's not. And it's, um, a lot of, you know, up and down uneven uh, moments, right? Like, you know, the, the kind of the adage now that's always going around with coaches is like development's not a straight line, right? It's more of a, you know, a squiggly line. That's and, right. that's um, right. and there's been, I think a greater, you know, effort on the part of development staffs to realize that. And then the third part is also, like you said, with a guy like Eric Nielsen or other, other players, there's no guarantee. You can put all this work into it. You can, sacrifice your body you can um ride the buses you can do all those things and still never get that that one game that you're looking for let alone an nhl career Mm -hmm. um and so there's there's a ton of work there's a whole kind of ecosystem that goes on beyond the the nhl 
um, that goes into getting these players ready. This is the final step. This is the last chance to get a player ready uh, before he's he's in the NHL. And you know, as we all know, there's no time. There's no you know real um, tolerance for mistakes at that level, um, especially if you're you're a player trying to break in. And uh, coaches there, they coach to win. So uh, this is the last chance you really had to kind of work out some of the you know different uh, weak spots in a player's game or you know deficiencies or whatever there might be. Uh, before it is uh, showtime. So, um, you know, I look like a, at a player like, let's say like Trevor Carrick in Syracuse, right? You know, probably 99% of NHL fans don't know him. But, right. you know, right. he's a huge part of that team right now. Like, especially Darren Radish went up, top defenseman went up to Tampa Bay. So you have all those young defensemen left back in Syracuse. And you have one veteran there really, you know, who's really reliable, won a cup at this level. Um, you know, can frankly cover up a lot of mistakes. And um, that's a huge part of, of the confidence building that goes on down here, right? Like, you know, if you have young defensemen and every time they make a mistake, they end up paying for it. It's in their net. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long for that confidence to go, you know, really down the drain. Right. So like have a real reliable kind of a backup uh, safety valve there, like a Carrick, that's huge. And that's a huge, that's a huge part of development that I think people don't really think about. You always see in the summertime, right? Like when teams sign players, you know, for their AHL rosters, people go like, Oh, who's that? You know, what, why, you know, thanks. Thanks a lot for the big move. Right. It is a big move, right? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're putting your, your first, second, third round picks down there. Um, and you're kind of entrusting them uh, not only with the coaching staff at the AHL level, but also, um, the veterans that are there, you know, not only on the ice, but also off the ice, the players that will, you know, let's say you have a, a young player, you know, coming over from Europe who doesn't have his driver's license yet. Well, you know, every morning he gets a ride with a veteran uh, to the <laughs> ring practice, you know, little things like that, that people don't think about, mm-hmm. but like that really go a long way towards, I think, easing, you know, a lot of that, uh, those growing pains, uh, you know, cause I, I think it's easy to forget how young some of these players are. I mean, we have 18 year olds in this league now. Like, yeah. I mean, 18, they're, they're barely out of, you know, like a year ago they were sitting in, you know, in their math class, right? Like, um, and now we throw them into the second best league in the world and say like, you know, go to it. So you have to have players that both know what they're doing and also are willing to take on that responsibility. Um, so like, yeah, like a Zach Dalby down in, in, in Charlotte's or, you know, different players that have come through the years. Um, that are willing to kind of share their um, their experience and also um, their time and their effort and their energy and, and really almost act like kind of that that big brother role um, because it can't always be the coaches that are in players' ears. You know, it has to sometimes come from someone else, and I think that's what a lot of these players um, the role they really serve. It's you say it's uh, and and it is the second best league in the world. And it's it's because of that that there are so many great stories uh, to be told, and you've done an excellent job at it over the years. And mm-hmm. it was one of the reasons that that we wanted to put together a podcast uh, to be able to uh, help tell some of those stories. And the other part of it is, um, yes, um, as, as you mentioned, there is that gap between the draft and when they show up in the NHL. Um, uh, on the NHL roster and make their NHL debut. And uh, we didn't want to be one of those um, 
uh, sources of information that say, oh, let's look at his stats. Um, let, let's, let's look at his, his uh, junior stats or his college stats and his AHL stats. We wanted to be able to tell you, tell our listeners more about the player and, and fill in that gap of the journey that they've, uh, that they've been on. And that's, you know, that's really kind of been the, the meat of what we do each and every week. You know, we've, we've, there's times that we have players or coaches or uh, analysts who join us on the show for interviews to, to get to know players better, get to know coaches better, those types of things. But really it's, it's more about, you know, it's, it's rewarding, I think, for all of us when, um, a player finally makes it to the NHL and there are fans at the NHL level who say, Oh yeah, I know that guy. Uh, and I'm familiar with them because, you know, we, we, we've heard so much about him over the last couple of years because he's been playing in the AHL and, and I've got a resource to learn about those kinds of things. I think that's really rewarding for all of us. And that's, and that's, as Rick said, you know, that's, that's kind of, the purpose of it is so that you can a get excited for those guys when they do get their big break and b when a new face arrives in in an NHL lineup um you're already well familiar with what to expect from the player um and who they are and and what their pedigree is so 300 episodes has been a ton of fun um i'm so Glad that the three of us were able to get together for the 300th episode. I'm so grateful to all of our listeners who have been with us, encouraging us along the way uh, to get us to 300 episodes. And, um, you know, there's a there's a lot of really exciting things going on here at Rock Sports Media with great people to to work beside. And I'm just I'm grateful that I get to do this podcast with the two of you. So thank you very much um, for everything that both of you do. Thanks for including thanks for including me and thanks for hosting the show and doing such a great job each and every week. Thank you very much. Yeah, I would like to second that. I mean, Amy is a, a pro's pro. I mean, there are too many shows that can say they have a host kind of uh, this caliber. Um, <laughs> well, we can say that. And so, three uh, hundred is uh, an amazing achievement, and uh, you know, Amy and Rick obviously are a huge part of that. 300 what are we going to be doing what are we bringing to the studio for the 600th like you know should we bring (laughs) snacks for that one (laughs) something like that something like that i really um can't thank both of you enough uh it's 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 a lot of fun to do this each and every week three of us always have a great conversation when we get together and just a big thank you to all of our subscribers and listeners out there um we can't do this without you and you're the reason that we come back and do this each and every week uh so tell your friends tell your hockey loving friends and family if you haven't done so already hit that subscribe button and uh you can be sure we've got lots more really fun stuff for you in store in the next couple of weeks and you know we don't take the off season off so lots coming in the weeks ahead uh, that is going to do it for us for this week on the Press Zone podcast. Once again, uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. It's going to be an intense week of hockey action for the Laval Rocket, but you can bet that next Tuesday we'll break it all down for you and we'll have 
another edition of the AHL Hot Stove to get you caught up with things happening all around the American Hockey League. As we wind down the last couple of weeks of the regular season, the Calder Cuff playoffs are just around the corner and the Laval Rocket is doing everything in their power to be part of it. So thanks for joining us today. Be sure to come back next week for another great episode of the Press Home Podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.